Hey there, Let's Tim. Leave. Now, don't swear or anything, mate, because you, you're actually online here. <laughs> surprise, so, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm just fiddling with the technology, but why don't... Uh, they can't see you yet, so that's all right. Um, I am looking for my cursor, Tim. Ah, cursors. Here we go. We're going to turn off mirroring, and that way they'll see you, and we'll go full screen. Now, hi Tim. Now, I'm going to turn you around, Tim. These are vineyard people. See, see, isn't that a lovely roof? That is beautiful. There they are. Every, wait a sec. Let's, everybody say hello to Tim. Okay. There we go. <laughs> you can look at me now. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, we, we were actually going to talk to Grant. But, uh, yeah, I gather that. I, I just got the time difference wrong by three hours. Um, but tell us, um, you, you've been through a big transition in the last couple of years. What, what happened? Tell us about the journey you've been on. Well, um, really passionate to see more people come to know Jesus in Australia, believing that church planting... And seeing multiplication take place is really the key, having felt for some time that God was putting that on my heart, but not really knowing exactly what to do other than what I had formerly done in terms of planting churches one at a time, uh, raising money for the plant, uh, the long, hard slog to raise up leaders. And uh, so last year when I had an invitation to come and meet with a group of leaders down in Melbourne to discuss uh, moving our thinking from just church planting to church planting movements. Although the three-day commit was more than I thought my schedule could handle, I made the effort to get there because I thought if, if there's something I've missed along the way here, uh, I, I need to know it, need to hear it. And what, doing all right? what happened when you, uh, when you did hear it and know it? Well, some crazy Kiwi stood up and said, uh, do you believe God wants many people saved now? And then he stopped. And I thought, crumbs, that's very confronting. I thought I can't very well much say, say no. Where, where would I justify that in the New Testament? And I had that strange feeling that if I was to say yes, that there would be follow-up questions to that. And that was going to require perhaps a radical change of the way I was living out my Christian ministry. So about six weeks later, uh, through just feeling under the deep conviction of God, because what, what I learned in those three days was this fellow Grant, who, who you didn't connect with today, uh, was seeing literally hundreds and hundreds of people coming to faith, or thousands of people coming to faith, and hundreds of churches being planted and reproduced rapidly. And he wasn't doing anything that was really uh, complicated or novel, but was doing the most simple and basic things that the Bible says that we should do. And I just felt in almost a sense of humiliated that I've been working and praying and laboring and believing for, you know, great things to happen, yet I wasn't doing the simple basic things like telling people about Jesus on a daily basis teaching them how to obey immediately, looking for persons of peace, and uh, getting on with the job. So I, um, I freed up some 
space in my calendar three days a week. And six weeks after I was there, I, I recruited a little team and we started trying to implement some of these new ideas that I was hearing, some of these things I was learning in a, in a, in a housing commission context in southwest area of Sydney near Campbelltown. Okay. okay. Typically, they'd be Aussie battlers down there. Yeah, Aussie battlers. A lot of Aboriginal people. Uh, some, are, you know, a, a reasonable amount of Islanders. Um, people with you know, single parents, relationship difficulties, drug and alcohol problems, uh, long-term unemployment. Um, so you know, just pretty pretty really much a typical scene here in New Zealand. Then. <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of that scene. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I like those people. They're New Zealanders and yeah. vineyard people. You know. <laughs> okay, so so uh, what? How did you get started? Well, the first thing we realized we needed to do was pray and uh, meet people. And I guess what what I what I was beginning to to learn and see and believe is that the reason why we're not seeing a lot of people coming to know Jesus in Australia is because we are sowing sparingly. And so we're reaping sparingly. And I just began to believe that if we sowed generously or abundantly, we would reap more generously and abundantly. So we began to pray for contacts, for persons of peace, for receptive people, for hundredfold people, and just got out within this community with the expectation that God had prepared people to meet us, to hear the gospel, and to be conduits of the gospel in their community and using their own network of relationships to spread the gospel. Well, and I think what the, does you got out mean? Well, we left the building. <laughs> and then what did you do? Elvis has left the building. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that's a huge thing for workers. I mean, I guess one of the things that challenged me was Jesus' words in Matthew 9, you know, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In my experience, and 28 years of Christian ministry is that, that most of the time the church sends workers into Bible colleges mm. and into existing church buildings and ministries to work with primarily church people. So getting out meant intentionally meeting non-believers, introducing ourselves, sharing with them what our agenda was in terms of the kingdom of God and um, probing for people with spiritual interest among those we were meeting. So prayer walking, door knocking, uh, sitting down with people who are willing to sit down at the shops uh, or over a, a, a meal, which we started a community dinner pretty early on in the piece, just to meet people and share with them about Jesus. Okay. And what, what, what have you... Oh, we're getting a bit of feedback there. What are you... Um, we'll just persist. What are you learning? Yeah, well, I think I'm learning, um, one, is God is working more than I would have guessed in the hearts of lost people and preparing people to hear about Jesus. So I guess I'm learning that there's more people that are receptive to the gospel than I would have guessed. So I'm learning it's actually been easier than I thought to find interested people and to... Uh, lead people to Christ. I guess the second thing I'd be learning is that the evangelism that is working really well is what I now call direct relational evangelism. Uh, so it, it's highly 
relational in that you know we 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 ask and then we go and we really want to get to know people we want to listen to them we want to understand them we want to feel what they're feeling and and think what they're thinking so it's highly relational but it's also highly direct in that we don't wait days weeks or months before we meet someone before we start telling them about Jesus uh, we're very direct when we meet them we tell them immediately what we're on about and we found some very simple ways to probe to see if there's some spiritual interest and then we get right on to sharing the gospel for instance yesterday mm-hmm. with one mm-hmm. of my new local emerging leaders Dean we went to see a, a couple Rodney and um, Janelle and uh, I bumped into this couple in the park about a month ago and then in the shops and they said hey they wanted to talk now this Rodney is the brother of Bobby, who was the very first person I met in Ayrds 18 months ago, prayer walking. And I'd stop by to see how Bobby was going because he'd been in jail for some time. So I went over to this guy's house yesterday uh, with Dean, and I said, hey, what's up? And they said, well, you know, we're wondering about getting some counseling. And, uh, well, why is that? Well, you know, we got some problems, you know. Uh, I've been charged with this, and she's been charged with that. They've got some domestic stuff. They're going to court. So a bit of motivation. They've got three kids, and they're worrying about such and such. So immediately said, yeah, we, we could arrange counseling, but let me share with you what's really made a difference in my life. So I, I shared my story uh, with them of coming to Christ, and then we opened up the scriptures and took them through uh, the gospel and then asked them five very direct questions about how they wanted to respond to the gospel, and they both gave their life to Christ. I mean, they were so prepared of God, so ready, so come to the end of their their own resources, that it was just a matter of helping them connect some of the dots of the bits and pieces that they understood about Christianity and about Jesus, and uh, presenting it to them, and them deciding they wanted to make a start. And they're very keen to be involved in uh, ongoing discipleship, and that's just typical of uh, meeting people. Sometimes we meet them and right away they come to faith. Sometimes, like this couple, hadn't really had an opportunity to develop the relationship or share with them until, you know, this last week. But, you know, we put it right out there and uh, people are responding. And, and uh, sometimes uh, people respond and go really well and then they drop back. You've had some of those challenges as well. Yep, it, it's the whole thing is is very messy, and um, we we've probably seen about, I guess, because because every week now we're seeing people come to faith, and I guess in the eighteen months we've probably seen about eighty people come to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing so, some of those people have moved out of the area, which is you know normal, and there's probably about twenty of those people that. We haven't seen at this stage any significant sense of them going forward, but probably the majority of those people are moving forward, some dramatically well, some struggling, uh, some, you know, stop and start. Um, but, and, and we're now doing a better job of helping those new believers uh, to, to witness to their family and friends and, and neighbors and, and relatives in their home, so... Okay, so how is what you're doing now different to how you've you've always had a heart for evangelism, making disciples? How how is this different? 
Yeah, well, I would say the kind of evangelism I've done previously, I would describe as indirect relational evangelism. So highly relational, motivated by Christ's love, but indirect in the sense that, oh, you know, I don't want to offend someone. Uh, you know, if they want to talk about Jesus and spiritual stuff, uh, then I'm happy to talk about it, but I'm not going to push them. Or maybe we just need to serve them in some way and love them, you know, do a backyard blitz on them, give them a food parcel, just be willing to listen, you know, do some kid stuff for their children and just much a much more low-key or what I call indirect style of evangelism. And what we've discovered in Airds is the longer we, get, we know someone and don't tell them about Jesus, the harder it becomes. And uh, we, we've, we've actually found about 25% of the people we meet are really open to, to a discussion about how they can know God personally. And about 10% of those people, well, about 10% of the people we've met actually have come to faith. Wow. And this is an area which would be seen as highly resistant to the gospel. There's a struggling Anglican church there that you're, you're in partnership with alongside of. But... This is, not, uh, this is not the Bible Belt by any means. No, that, that's correct. And, and what we've discovered they've been highly resistant to is mostly highly resistant to an attractional model of ministry that requires them to adopt a particular church culture before they can meet Jesus. So with this direct relational approach, it's more instead of trying to gather people to a, a service on a, a Sunday or a given day, we're trying to bring the gospel and bring the church to them in their own context. And so what, what does that, yeah. what does that like, we've talked a bit about bringing the gospel, but how is the making of disciples and the formation of new churches, how, how does that look different, Tim? Well, the other thing I, learned, I heard from Grant that confused me for about the first year was that he said, whenever possible, we try to do group evangelism. And I thought, group evangelism, what does that look like? And then one day it dawned on me, that if you start a group in someone's home, in a receptive person's home early and encourage them to invite whoever they know, whoever they're willing to invite, whoever is willing to come, uh, it's much easier to sustain that group in discipleship and then form that group into a simple church if, it start, if a pattern of meeting starts early. So that's what we do when we find people that are uh, you know, willing to uh, hear the gospel and receive it. And, and yesterday I had, I had four different significant encounters in people's homes. One was with a lady, Jill, who's a matriarch of a, a significantly, significantly sized extended household with kids and grandkids and friends and neighbors that come in and out. So we, we met her about two months ago. We started a group immediately in there. And her, some of her children and some of her grandchildren are hearing the gospel. And yesterday uh, you know, I was able to equip her with some basic tools uh, using the seven commands of Jesus to help her to begin to teach and evangelize her family with that intention. And she's, she's up for it. Uh, then after that, we went over to, um, uh, where did I go next? I think we're at uh, Dan Daniel and Danielle's, an Aboriginal couple who I went over with Dean. And they, they were someone I actually knocked on the door eight months ago, and they said they weren't interested. Well, they wandered up to one of our dinners in the park a month ago, and started to express that they were interested in knowing more about knowing God personally. So Dean and I said, we'll come up and catch up with you. So yesterday we went over there, shared the gospel with them, and Dean explained to them, hey, we, we don't want you to come to church on Sunday. 
we want to help you start church here. And they said, oh, cool. So we've set up, we went through half the gospel with them. They're wide open. I'm confident they're both going to come to faith. Plus there was another Aboriginal friend there that was expressing his openness when we were there. And then it was this other couple's house, Rodney and um, Janelle. They came to faith and are open for a group to start. And then we went from there to uh, Lorinda's and finally shared the gospel, part of the gospel with her husband, Matt, or partner Matt. We've got a little group that meets in her house. She's come to faith and she's been trying to witness to her partner. And he asked so many hard questions. She said, you know, can I get Tim over here to answer the question? So I went and talked to him and said, listen, I'm just going to equip Lorinda to share with you. And the questions you're asking are going to make her so sharp, sharp. I'm concerned for the whole neighborhood. She's going to win them all. And this, this young gal is a sharp thinker and she's good. And she's diligent. And so we just, wherever we can find one or two or three people willing to meet in their home, open up their home to the, to the message of peace and to the messengers of peace, we start a group and help them to begin to win their family and friends. Okay, so right from the beginning, you're not just sharing the gospel, making disciples, but you're helping those new believers reach their world and, and form church around that. And you're right. teaching them what church is in, in a very simple That's, way. Yep. Baptism, Lord's Supper, giving. And, um, and as soon as we learn about it, we, we try to do it. Wow. This is great news, Tim. What's next? Well, um, we're, our focus right now is, is trying to see the second generation groups established. And by that, I mean some of our new believers in air, some of our local housing commission people enabling them to actually start groups with people they've won to Christ and groups that they lead. And so we're just seeing the first sprouts of those happening. And so I think for the next six months, there'll be a real focus there on what's it going to take to get these, the, you know, these first group of emerging leaders to the point where they can actually lead these groups. And so we've, we've got a few, we're bringing it up to a, a, a three days of training next week. Mm. Uh, one fellow dean who's quite an extraordinary guy. He comes from a very uh, heavy uh, drug pass. He, he was doing heroin at 14, in and out of jail. Uh, a real violent man, uh, very dishonest. He's, you know, glad glad to know you're bringing him to our event. Stole from every, he's got half an ear because he got bit off in a fight. Half an ear, okay. And, and he's awesome because everybody in Arids knows him. And they, you know, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, hey, what about Dean? What do you make of him? How, what about this change? And most of those people are non-believers who knew him, who are looking at him and saying, what's up with this? So he, he has amazing opportunity to share his story and share the gospel. He, would, he goes around with a backpack with a couple different Bibles in it and a few, few spare Bibles to give away and a list of his seven command studies. And he just he's like a little machine just out there sharing with everybody he knows the gospel trying to lead him to Christ, trying to get groups started, trying to start discipleship. And I think he's, he's going to be a danger man for the devil. Wow. So he's, he's definitely a great example of person of peace. Yep. Uh, but even beyond that, this, he, he could be a hundredfold person in the sense that God's like, don't, don't tell him I said he was the demoniac, but like that guy that touched a whole region with his story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, it, it, it's quite you know, exciting to watch what God's doing. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said to some people, my, the first church I planted, it took me about five years to get where it took me 
to get where it's taken me about the first 12 months in AIRDS. So very much on a learning curve, learning a lot. Some of the things I've done differently have worked very well, but still feel I've got so much to learn. But we do feel that the, through trial and error, we're, we're, we're learning, we're getting better all the time every week at what we're doing and, and then working to train some others and help them get started. So I, I believe what the insights in, in church planning movements has been a real key to begin to see the kind of a growth and just beginning to see the kind of multiplication that I've read about and heard about in the developing world, you know, in the past and always got frustrated. How do those guys do that? You know, what, what, what kind of supernatural people are they, you know? And, and I think it's, it's about prayer. It's about hard work. It's about working smart. And it's about paying attention to what's written in the Gospels in the book of Acts and seeing it as more of a textbook than just some great stories that happened in the first century. Tim, we're going to pray for you, and um, uh, it's been great, mate. I've, I've heard most of those stories before, but they warm the heart, and so um, thanks. Let's, let's pray for this guy. Lord, thanks. we just thank you for Tim and all the workers down in Ants, and we thank you, Lord, that some of them are outsiders that uh, have been imported, but we thank you even more, Lord, that the, the seed of the gospel has been planted in ants and there are now workers, guys like Dean, with half an ear bit off, uh, who are out uh, sharing the gospel, sharing your love, making disciples. And we thank you, Lord, that, um, that groups of believers are forming. We thank you that this is your work. So we pray for wisdom for Tim. We pray for vision that would go beyond AIDS, into uh, communities all around Australia that, uh, that need the liberating power of Jesus. And so we just commit him to you in, uh, in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Tim. Uh, sorry I couldn't send you the first class ticket to come and fly to Christchurch, but I know you're scared of earthquakes. So Go well. Okay, mate. Catch you later. Bye.